2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
3: Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio. For woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who are actually under the illusion that woodworking
2: is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. righty, it's episode 113 for December 12th, 2012. That's 12-12-12 for those of you keeping track at home. Uh, we actually have a jam-packed show for you today, so we're going to try and get through it all because there is quite a bit. Uh, we're looking at the year in review, going to look at some of the things we talked about last year and see if we actually uh, met our goals that we had set for ourselves. We're also going to discuss the wide world of hand planes, wood movement after milling, digital versus print magazines, the domino versus the multi-router. It's like a heavyweight bout there. Uh, and oil finishes causing blotching in cherry. But before we get to that, we do have a quick word that we'd like you to, to hear from our sponsors. This episode of Wood Talk is supported by Bed Axe Tool What did Doc Holliday, Wyatt Earp, and Jim Bowie all have in common? They were real bad axes, just like Shaka Zulu, Captain America, and Darth Vader. Throw down with bad axe on your side, you won't regret it. Visit BadAxeToolWorks.com for more information. And by
4: BenchCrafted is workholding for serious woodworkers. Remember what Chris Schwartz says, BenchCrafted makes the three best woodworking vices I've ever used. And just to be clear, BenchCrafted only makes three vices. Visit BenchCrafted.com for more information. Hey, folks, you know, if you have comments, questions or maybe a topic suggestion, you have several different ways that you can contact us. Of course, you can leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. Look for us there. Oh, my gosh. Wait, I totally <laughs> went in the wrong direction. Uh, our other option, if you want to leave a voicemail, is call our voicemail line at 623 242 Eight zero. In fact, I think we have somebody waiting in the green room right now for that uh, phone number. Yeah. You can email us at WoodTalkOnline at gmail.com, and you can leave us a comment on our WoodTalk Facebook, Facebook page. <laughs> Facebook. Uh, I think I just had some dental work done. <laughs> My lips are like numb now. Uh, but anyway, so WoodTalk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you'll find those over at WoodTalkShow.com where you'll find all of this great information and so- much more. Oh yeah. So head on over there. And speaking of heading on over there, let's let's guys, let's walk over into the bench room and let's talk about what's on our bench. You have a specific room just for your bench. Yeah. Wow. Only my bench. I have a chisel room. I have a plane room. So um, lucky. I have I oh, I can't talk about
0: that room. Um, <laughs> nice. All those good things. Just in case anybody's wondering, there is such a thing as facebake.com. I had to go check. <laughs> Although it looks like it's just a blank page, but the uh, favicon is a uh, cannabis leaf. I say, so I guess I'm not surprised. Bunch of stoners.
2: <laughs> nice. That's it. for
4: our folks in Washington who are now legal. In to Colorado. Oppose. And Colorado, Colorado
0: yep. Right? I'm going home for Christmas this year.
4: You know what is funny is actually those are two destinations on my wife's uh, uh, itinerary for this year, and I'm not sure she has actual weddings or photography things going on there.
2: Nice, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot, all right. Well, Shannon, what do you have in your, what do you have going on in your bench room?
4: In my bench room, uh, well, actually, right now I, I'm still working on our bedside tables, and that's pretty much the main thing i was really trying to think of what's something fun that i was doing what was something i was playing with and then i thought whoa wait a minute now that had nothing to do with woodworking in the bench room um <laughs> but that's that's really all i have going man
2: that, that was good <laughs> good one Matt.
1: <laughs> yeah
4: I'm, I'm just gonna go
0: ahead and drop it from there uh, shannon,
1: just,
3: uh, <laughs> yeah. shannon.
1: <laughs>
0: see here's the problem with doing shows weekly I'm doing the same thing I was last
2: week. That's fine. Just say it fast. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> same old same old, some carving stuff, you know. Sounds good. You know, actually I, I haven't done much uh, different myself. I'm still working on the bed, doing a lot of sanding. Uh the the drum sander is definitely getting a workout and uh, when you're doing a quarter babinga and it's really hard and you don't want to get that little burning streak that you tend to get on drum sanders if you if you do too much too quickly. Uh, it just takes a lot of time. So you're standing there most of the time. Uh, it, it, that's when I get a lot of good video, like uh, iPhone video game done at that time because it's the perfect thing to do in between boards standing. Um, the other thing I'll mention is more of an announcement than anything. We've got a holiday party coming up tomorrow at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern and it's in the live channel. If you're watching Wood Talk Live, it's in the same place you're watching this. And we're just going to do, a, it's our yearly little get together that we have where we give some free stuff away, have a have a good time and just celebrate a great year although 2012 was a little rough in some ways. Uh, maybe we're celebrating the fact that it's over. Um, but either way, tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern, go to the live page, thewoodwhisperer.com slash live, and you can hang out with us, and Nicole will be there. We'll have some eggnog, and we'll be uh, partying with lampshades on our head
4: good stuff. Nice. Hey, you know, speaking of parting, I have to tell people, part. I think part of the reason I'm having a little voice thing going on, little, a little lip issue, because my lips are getting really fat right now. Uh, so is my tongue. But I just had a, a mole removed, and I think the lidocaine has actually moved from my arm, and it's starting to make its way to my head, because it's just, <laughs> it's getting really fuzzy. So this is going to get really interesting, folks. You might have to listen more than once, and it's not because I'm <laughs> throwing little quips in there. It's probably because it's like, wh- what did he say? I'm going to have to rewind that and listen again. My
0: lips are numb whatever face bake
4: actually no i do have something that i i was trying to remember what i did in the bench room and remember last week we talked about the uh, cabinet scrapers the number 80 cabinet scrapers oh, yeah. well i broke uh-huh. out the veritas version that i have and i noticed that the it must be it was starting to get a little dull so i decided to do a little burnishing work on it have you ever put too heavy of a hook on a card scraper and like you really had to kind of struggle to get it kind of work the way you wanted to? Have you, Either one of you ever run into something like that? Well,
2: I usually put a, a pretty heavy one on there to begin with. I don't do a whole lot in the way of fine work with it, so I use it for flattening uh, panels just after a glue-up. So I get pretty aggressive, and, and I do have a, a fairly aggressive hook, but when... Because of that 45-degree angle, when you put that hook on there, if it's super aggressive, you sometimes have trouble moving it.
4: <laughs> so. That's exactly – I I think I've put such a heavy one on. I, I'm kidding you. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> I'm kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Uh, I, I felt like when I was pushing on it, like I had to lean with my entire body weight to get it to move. Yeah. And I thought for sure I was going to move the entire bench across <laughs> the room. So I'm glad you said that because yeah. there's a part of me that's thinking either one, I really need to start working out more yeah. or two <laughs> – um, I really, really put a heck of a, h- a hook on that.
2: Yeah, well, once you get it going, though, it, it really just peels it off pretty nicely. So it's, yeah, it, it, pull it up. feels like a hand plane. Can, at can that you point. back the blade off at all, man?
4: Um, I probably could have, but I wasn't thinking in that general direction. I was just like, <laughs> what the You're heck? Like, go, go. I even went so far as to I, I loosened the thumb screw. I undid the uh, the little bar on the back, you know, on the, the Veritas one. There's a little bar on the back that kind of holds it in place. And I set it down on a dead flat surface. Uh, and so I'm like, all right, I'm just going to have that blade not even, like, really protruding. It should be dead flat and even with the uh, the bottom of the of the body. And then I retightened it, and I barely even, you know, it took, like, a I don't know, probably an eighth of a turn on the screw, and that still was just, like, you know, <laughs> somebody put friction pads underneath it and was keeping me from moving.
2: It's a plow scraper. That's what it is. <laughs> That's exactly <I'm> like Hook <laughs> nice. it up. Bring the car over here. Let's back this up. Oh, watch out. You better watch out because I think Lee Valley is going to uh, patent that pretty soon and put a new tool out, so. <laughs>
4: There you go. But anyways, that was the one thing I was struggling to remember that I did. So let's let's go ahead and move on to other things. All right. Well,
2: uh, Marilyn, actually, our good buddy Marilyn gave us a suggestion for a topic and she said, hey, I remember you guys talking last December about your goals for 2012 and things that you hope to be able to accomplish and it would be great if you did a little flashback and, uh, sort of do a year in review and let us know if you actually hit those goals or not. So that was back in episode 91. If you want to go all the way back and listen to <laughs> that's it, that's
0: pathetic. That was only 91 a year ago. We were on episode 91. I know,
2: right? Well, <laughs> next year it's going to be a whole different story, man. Weekly yeah, shows, true. it's going to be crazy. But uh, so we each kind of discussed our goals. I summed them up very briefly here, uh, and we'll try to just go around and see if we hit those. So first of all, I've got Shannon here. Basically, you talked about taking classes and you, you mentioned the five-day Windsor class. You also talked about Roy Underhill's school and your goal, it sounded like, was primarily to, to get yourself into a good five-day class where you just go there and do nothing but that. So were you able to do that?
0: Yes, indeed. Awesome. Seven-day class, in fact, oh. in August Ooh. at the Woodright School. Overachiever. Awesome. Ah. It was epic.
2: <laughs> nice. And, and was it like what you hoped to get out of it, the whole point of you doing that, where you feel like you, you got that?
0: Oh yeah. And, and then some, nice. <clears throat> you know, I, I hear a lot of guys that they, I think I said this in that episode, I'd never actually taken a week long class. It was always like a one day thing here or there. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> you hear from people talking about how much you pick up in that one week. And then of course how exhausted you are at the end of that one week. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was amazing. I mean, in addition to just being seven days of nonstop woodworking for nine hours a day, it was, um, basically nonstop laughter because it was with Roy Underhill the whole time. So (laughs) it was just, it was a great experience, you know, and you go out after class and you hang out with guys and drink beer with them. And it's just, it's, it's like woodworking in America on speed because yeah. you do nothing but woodwork the entire time it's, it's very cool
2: it's that camaraderie thing like when you you know would go to camp as a kid or something like that and just you, you know you just hate to leave it's and you always are excited to go home but there's that little bit of uh you know in the back of your head you're like oh, i'm gonna miss these guys i'm gonna miss this experience but uh then you realize yeah. they all stink so you want to leave <laughs> <laughs> you'll smell bad. yeah Um, It's funny
4: because nobody's ever said that about me. Like, we're going to miss you. They're like, thank God.
2: (laughs) They're out of there so
4: fast. I'm like, I'm trying to put my tools in the bag. And suddenly I turn around, the whole room's empty. I'm like, guys,
2: hey, guys, wait for me. Feet, (laughs) Feet don't fail me now. Um all right well Matt speaking of of you and uh your shop you were talking earlier and I know you you did mention something about this when we were talking about dust collection uh, in a previous episode so your your whole thing was you were dead set on reorganizing your shop because you said it was completely inefficiently set up and you needed to uh to give it some attention so what about that
4: Yeah we I we I absolutely went in and did almost completely gutted the whole entire thing in the sense of I moved everything where it was to where it should be so that I could get a more efficient flow throughout it. And Mm. I'm so happy I did this. this was one of those things where I always gave lip service. I think every single year, I'm sure if people went back to the first episodes for as long as wood talk has been around somewhere in those first couple of episodes, Matt says something like, I'm going to redo my shop. It's going (laughs) to be really awesome. I'm going to have a lot of fun and friends are going to come over and hang out. Well, I don't have friends coming over and hanging out, but I did redo it, and the big thing for me was just trying to get um, the floor space optimized where I could have the tools laid out so that I didn't constantly have to keep necessarily stopping and moving a whole bunch of stuff out of the way, like moving two or three big items out of the way just to bring one more item out so I could use it. I really kind of sat back and said, all right, if I put this machine on this wall, is there a way that I can have it so that... The vast majority of the sizes of the components I'm working with, I can run it through that machine without having to set it in the center of the room. And if I do have to bring it into the center of the room, what can I – is it is it either a a mobile base I can put it on or is there something in the way that I lay it out that I don't have a lot of things to move around to utilize it? Mm -hmm. And just looking at it that way, the footprint of where I'm going to set the tools, it's made such a huge difference in – not only how I I work my projects, but how much enjoyment I get out of using the project or doing the projects because nothing, the biggest thing for me was always the, where my joiner and where my thickness planer, where my thickness planer was always kind of tucked away. And now I have it actually on a wall. And again, for the vast majority of sizes of the components that I'm working on, I don't have to pull it out of its little corner. I can just plug it in and go right to work on it. And my enjoyment level has just skyrocketed. And it's, it's the stupidest thing in the world. I'm so angry at myself that I never, actually followed through on this one
2: (laughs) do it sooner right
4: (laughs) exactly (laughs) the
2: the thing with shop evolution it's kind of it's kind of crazy it feels like i'll be 65 years old and i'll still be moving things around Uh, the (laughs) the way it is now i mean even in a even in a smaller shop you still run into this issue where it just feels like there's always something you can tweak to do you know to make things a little bit better and you always say afterwards "Ah, i wish i would have done this sooner if i had only known do you feel like you've finally gotten to that point where you're probably not going to need to change anything for for a long time now
4: I think, if anything, the only thing I'm going to have to change is I want to maybe like make a cabinet to hold some of my my tools. And one thing I've got that wall with the pegboard on Mm -hmm. and I'm at that point now that I'm I'm done with the pegboard. Pegboard has its place (laughs) in certain places, but it doesn't have a place in my shop anymore. And once I could actually the way that I have those items hanging there on that pegboard, if I just create a simple cabinet, which would probably be like a third of the size of that of the, that pegboard yeah. i can get all that things all those things on there and now i have that much more space for either lumber storage or hey maybe some more cabinets where i could put other tools that right now i'm thinking this is a good spot for them at the moment but i would like to put them someplace else yeah. so you know yeah it still has you a little could bit hang of the pictures the there
0: <laughs> Ooh, that's a nice idea <laughs> a picture we, we, of Norm. we could send you autographed photos of
2: yeah all your favorite woodworkers yeah, you oh, know what? Wow. You should I like that. You should make that's, Alex Prince. That would be great with a little Paul yeah. print.
4: Nice. That's a good. I'm writing that down right now. Actually, you know what, Marilyn? Can you remind me of this next year when you <laughs> ask if I actually
0: followed through? I would really appreciate that.
2: Yeah, that's great.
0: So I guess so, this begs the question: Are we going to do this like next week and do our resolutions for? I think we should. Yeah, we wait till January yeah. for that. I don't know.
2: Yeah, next week is going to be the the well, yeah, because it is kind of a New Year's resolution thing. But I kind of like closing out the year. With it, so the last show of the year will be our next show next week. So let's let's save it for that and make it a, a major topic. Right. Uh, so well, what about you, this.
0: Mark? You yeah. you were you made some resolutions
4: or goals or whatever. Yeah. Well, those. Yeah, you said something about doing some client work. Maybe start doing some projects
0: that are personally appealing. Oh yeah, I like that. Stop working in such a cramped
2: workspace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Expand <laughs> yeah. my shop a little bit. Uh, yeah. Actually, I did have. Uh, it was interesting because I really wanted to do a lot more of those personal, personally appealing projects. Basically, stuff with more curves, you know, things that are a little bit more challenging. Oh, um, I love curves. And I did, I did start to to incorporate some of that. Um, but one of the big goals that I had was to do more client work, and that's actually something I'm doing right now. Now, unfortunately, it took all the way to the end of the year to get there. Uh, but yes, I am actually doing some client uh, projects at this point, and it feels absolutely awesome. Uh, fortunately, the client project is something that also is more personally appealing to me, so it's kind of killing two birds with one stone there. Uh, so I feel real good about that. Uh, but we did have something, um, Shannon, that you and I discussed possibly doing a collaborative build where you would do it, you know, primarily with hand tools, and I would try to cover the thing with you know my standard set of tools uh, to do a sculpted rocker together. Now, yep. obviously, yeah, that didn't slackers. play. <laughs> that, I, I
0: keep waiting for your email.
2: I know, right? Um, I thought the ball was in your court. I think it is. Um, that just never quite happened. But for me, really, this year just turned out to be crazy. Just with the attacks on the website and everything that just put me out of commission for a while. Uh, all the craziness with my son. It's its just been a wild ride for 2012. Um, but that said, that is still on my list. I really want to do a Sculpted Rocker build And I think our biggest challenge, and you you put up a post recently about something along these lines, Shannon, dealing with um, uh, intellectual property and copyright and what's okay and what's not, and I still am trying to wrap my head around how you and I can both build something like this, perhaps using... Um, you know a, a Charles Brock plan, for instance, without doing something to anger Charles Brock or, or do injustice right. to, uh, to the plan that he sells, how do we cover that in a way that 's interesting to people without giving away too much since it really isn 't our plan
0: right exactly well, um I have a email in to Charles already, and actually he 's gotten back to me and said, "Give me a call, and it just hasn 't happened yet so yeah, yeah, there's that gotta is be something kind of do. the plan but yeah it was it was an interesting um, it was one of those blog posts I knew when I was writing. I was like, oh, boy, <laughs> this one's going to get some traffic. Yeah, <laughs> it, was yeah. like, it was just on my mind. And, you know, it's really interesting because what we do, we as as woodworking bloggers, podcasters, we don't actually – I shouldn't say we don't actually design things. But when we build something or show somebody how to build something, I think – maybe speaking for the the three of us, it's never like, oh, we expect you to build this exactly. It's always kind of more about here's how you would build, you know, a a table. And just so happens my table has these design elements in it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're not actually giving away a design. You're kind of teaching people how to build it, not claiming that it's yours. And there were some real interesting topics that came up, Uh, probably the most important being you know, look around the web and find out all the brick and mortar schools that are actually charging people to build oh, yeah. that exact chair. Yep. Now, when it comes to the Malouf one, I don't know. And that's a little bit, well, I should say the Brock one, because there are some pretty distinct differences between the um, Charles Brock plan and the Sam Malouf plan. But you know, let's be honest, Mark. If I were to build this, I'm going to use that little book that Charles Brock put out. Sure, yeah. I'm going to use his templates, you know? So it's like, yikes. Um, here's a guy that kind of makes his living making these and teaching this and giving classes. And I don't know. You know, See, it's but, one of those things where you have to kind of skim over a bunch.
2: But I think um, but I think it can be done in, in a way that, I mean, that chair is, is really complicated. You do need the templates. You can certainly make some of these things yourself, but – I mean, imagine having to just look at the picture and say, I'm going to recreate that. Well, you'd probably spend a couple of <laughs> years figuring it out. Um, right, so so we'll be able to make it. But if they don't actually have the original set of plans, they don't actually have the detailed uh, drawings and things like that. It's going to be really hard. And in fact, I think, I mean, maybe we'll, we'll talk about this offline, but um, I think we should be able to convince him that this actually would dramatically increase his sales because people right. are well, going to I want Well, I can tell
0: you for me personally, my build's going to be completely different yeah. than the way um, he does it. I'm going to build it by hand. You know, you imagine those, the, I don't know what else to call it, but the Maloof joint, the leg to seat joint. Is
2: that, is that the hip joint they call it?
0: Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, I mean, the only time I've ever seen it cut was using a router. Yeah. Yeah. And to cut that by hand is going to be a very, very different process to the point where it might ever so slightly change that joint. Yeah. There's a couple of things that are going to change that. And that's actually... A lot of the stuff that I was picking up in that class I took at the, the Woodwrights school is kind of changing your design and coming up with different techniques in order to, to build it by hand. So I can tell you my version of that would be very, very different. Now, I may end up with a similar-looking end result, but the process is going to be dramatically different
2: well this begs well, you know, the, go ahead Matt
4: sorry I was, was going to say that one thing with your idea of, of using the hand tools I was thinking about um a couple of blog posts that that Charles has up on his site where he actually does address the whole thing like why why do you I think like a, a question that came in like why, why wouldn't you recommend using a spokeshave and I know he even talked about it in the classes at WIA a couple of years ago where he's like I've had people come in and say well I'm not going to use you know a power tool for that I'm going to use a spoke shave, and how he's trying to explain you know ways with this particular joint there's the you know the, the 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 grain switches on you so fast that you're going to have tear out so I'm really kind of curious when you do this cuz I totally I know you guys are going to do this, but I really want to see how it is that you handle that. Thanks what it is it that faith. you're going to do? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I got a lot of that from my wife too. She goes, yeah, sure, you're going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> sure, we're going to have that built into the house.
2: <laughs> well, does this, uh, see, the thing that, that is interesting about this is how far back do you go with this? Because, you know, you have to give uh, Mr. Brock credit for going and taking the time to actually create his version of a sculpted rocker. And I know William Ming has a class that he teaches on a sculpted rocker and everybody's got their, you know, their slight differences that they make to it, but these are all very much inspired by the original Maloof rockers. So I used to wonder back then, and I remember when uh, these plans were first coming out, because I think in the beginning there really weren't any plans out there. And then suddenly there was maybe two or three people uh, that actually sell and are fairly well known for selling these uh, sculpted rocker plans now. Um, and I remember having a couple conversations over email with a few different people about the ethical quandary that you're in when you do something like this. Like, do you think there? You take it back one step further. Does the Maloof Foundation, for instance, have a problem with folks like you know Charles Brock and uh, who's who's the other guy that does the sculpted rockers that sells the plan? Hal Taylor. Yeah, yeah, Hal Taylor. Down in Texas. Um, is that is there an ethical issue there? You know, and I and I don't I don't know. I'm not saying that there is. I just wonder. Yeah. Well, if I
0: understand correctly, I think the Maloof Foundation has had some problems with it in the past. Yeah. Um and you know, the same thing, because I brought up Nakashima in my own blog post and I know that Nakashima, well, Mira, um, George's daughter, mm-hmm. um, has publicly said that it's like stealing. Um, and you know what in that instance though, this is a company, a furniture company whose flagship product is that chair right. that I talked about, the conoi chair. Yeah. I mean, they make hundreds of them a year at this point. So, I, you know, I don't know. Well, but I at mean, the same time, you'll find classes that have them. Yeah, well, well and
2: the, the Maloof shop is still cranking out furniture too. You know, I, yeah. I actually, do you guys remember when I went to Vegas to uh, judge um, the Freshwood competition a couple of years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the guys that was there was from the Maloof shop. Uh, unfortunately, I, I wish I could remember his name. Um, but he saw one of the chairs on the floor that was being judged and it was clearly, clearly a sculpted rocker in the Maloof <laughs> style uh, and I was, I was kind of watching him to see if I could gauge his reaction on, on how he feels about this and he was a little upset and put off by the fact that it was just called a sculpted rocker, uh, that, he, oh. that there was no credit given whatsoever to the fact that this was derived from an original Maloof design um, and he did seem to be I put I feel off for the that. guy that built it. <laughs> it's like, oh, I built this great chair. Wait, one of the Maloof people's judging it? Oh, <laughs> son of a. Well, it's, yeah, and it's like a high school kid, too, you know? So, man. Um, but yeah, you know, so that I mean, I've I- always wondered is saying
4: something as simple as, and a lot of people will use this as their excuse for why they've done it, like somehow, like they've gotten around, like the people are going to turn their back and not really, you know, pay attention to it. Yeah. But saying something like, in, this is a such and such inspired, inspired design. I mean, I always say that all the time. Like, I'm this is a uh, a good piece of furniture inspired design that I have here.
2: Yeah,
4: and yeah. you know, and I have often wondered because that kind of gives like the, the nod to where it originally came from, but at the same time acknowledging that it might be slightly different. But I've always wondered what's the real? You know, is there a legality with that? That still sounds to me like you're kind of well, almost it all openly comes admitting down
0: to are you making an income from it. Yeah. I mean right. you as as a woodworker you can build whatever the hell you want. I mean that's right. the beauty of being a woodworker. My concern and the reason this came up in my mind is let's face it everything I do on the renaissance woodworker essentially feeds my business. It's
2: all part yeah. of the machine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, so you know you could very easily make a case for saying I'm profiting by building that whether it's on the premium site or on the free site. Um and that that would be my concern, and I'll be honest, one of the other concerns is just not to be, you know, burned at the stake by the rest of the community for stealing somebody's idea. Yeah, well, you know, I remember seeing an, it was a, like a letter
4: to the editors and I can't remember which magazine it was, but the question had come up like, hey, I really love this neat little thing. I want to say it was Wood Magazine because it was like a little one of their little projects, like a weekend kind of project that they had. And I remember the person saying, I really love this and I'd like to take the design and what what is the issue if i sold this can i sell this at say you know the the flea market or something like that and i seem to remember them saying and i i don't know if this applies to everywhere but it was like one of those we understand that you are probably going to make this you are probably going to give it as a gift we'd prefer that you limit the you know to x number if you were to you know sell it which then made me think how did they come up with you know x number as like, you know, it's okay up till this, but say if it's five, <laughs> now you go to six, now you owe us money and we're suing you.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a gray area and it's one that, you know, like you said, we're not selling the product for profit, but we are doing it as part of a profit generating thing, you know, so, oh, yeah. so it makes it a very gray area for, I mean, really, legally, I just don't think anyone is going to really pursue something like this uh, too far. It's really a question of ethics. I mean, I think we all value our reputations in the community and in the industry. So if, you know, we don't, we really don't want to step on anyone's toes. We want to have the utmost respect for Charles Brock and the Maloof Foundation. We want to make sure that we're playing nicely with all of our neighbors. Uh, so yeah, the, these are very gray areas. And I guess the bottom line is sometimes just ask, ask permission. If you could find the source, talk to them. So I think, it, I think right. us talking to, uh, you know, Charles Brock is probably the first step in, in us kind of doing a collaborative thing like that.
4: That's a great right. point because I think a lot of individuals would it, just simply the fact that you step forward and acknowledge it and just talk to them and just kind of give them a head nod or something, even just yeah. putting it in the name a little bit, mm-hmm. probably goes so much more than to be the person that kind of like just brushes it off and is like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. This is my design, you know, or just yeah. completely ignore the elephant in the room kind of a situation. So, so
2: then we'll be doing a Brock inspired, Maloof inspired sculpted rocker? I think you could, yeah. That
4: sounds good. <laughs> I like. You that. might want to shorten the title somehow. We would we'll just use the initials rather than the whole entire thing. There you but. Go. All
2: right. Well, let's move on to the around the web segment. I've got a, a link here. I got an email actually the other day from Popular Woodworking with a video from Gary Rogalski showing. What?
0: You got an email from Popular Woodworking. I did.
2: Yeah, it was one of the four that day, um, <laughs> and this particular one had something cool in it, and it was how to level legs of like a stool or a table. Uh, you know how we usually talk about putting it on a flat surface and then maybe be, um, you know, marking the bottom of each leg with a pen that's on a little uh, piece of wood or something like that and then you just go and, and use a rasp or a saw to cut it and they're all perfect after that. Uh, what he does is he says, you know, put it on this flat surface and look for the offending legs, the ones that are sticking down a little bit too far and use your table saw but not to mark anything. Actually, put your table saw blade about a 32nd of an inch up off of the surface, and then run the leg just freehand over the saw blade on the two offending legs, and that will flatten it out. And it was just—it's one of those te- yeah—it's one wow. of those techniques that you look at and you go, "That can't be right," you know, because it's like <laughs> well, that is yeah. just not what you tell people to do. Um, but clearly, from the given the source, you really you know it turns your head and makes you look at it differently because you, you trust this guy's opinion and, and his methodology. Um, So it is very interesting. Watch the video. If you try it yourself, I'd be very curious, but he says that's what they teach at his school. That's the method they use to level legs when you've got sort of a, a tippy, rocky sort of situation. Wow, now, crazy. if you were to learn
4: any lessons from Matt's basement workshop, I would just tell you to go buy some more of those little pads that you put underneath your legs <laughs> yeah. and just shim those down. Don't
2: yeah, carpet. Cardboard. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> like to put springs on mine so they automatically adjust. <laughs> what
4: are you going to do with your excess business cards? Everybody knows you fold it twice. Yeah, Exactly.
2: All right, Matt, what do you got
4: there? Sweet. All right, so uh, this next one, uh, this also actually this is from our uh, our good friends over at Lost Art Press. Uh, they put up a video. Chris was talking about how to really set up a premium hand plane and I'm really glad that he did this video because number one I get we get this question quite a bit and it's always you know why would I buy a Lee so why would I buy a Veritas you know I, what if I have to go through all these steps because you always see in the magazines they say you have to take this step where you have to lap the bottom of a plane or you have to do all these other things and it was really nice that Chris rather than just putting it into a blog post said all right here's the video now i haven't watched the whole entire thing but um i think a lot of
0: people did you watch the part might, where he spoke directly to you matt Um uh, <laughs> banana no, I think soul I so totally was out of flat, flat. Banana send soul. it back don't try to flatten it yourself <laughs> well i heard something hands. about there was some
4: banana stuff in there so i was trying <laughs> to avoid it you know because i've seen enough of those pictures but uh yeah that was that was really interesting another thing is in in I'm wondering how much and I'm just going to kind of, you know, uh, say this. I I wonder if this is really inspired from a number of questions that came in from a recent article over at Fine Woodworking magazine where they were showing a uh, how to set up a plane, which unfortunately, if that was the situation. I'm I'm sure it's not like a tit-for-tat thing as far as I'm concerned, but I know a lot of people kind of made a big stink about the article at Fine Woodworking, and I think to some degree, I'll just say this, I think the article was taken out of context. I don't think they really meant to say that this was for a premium plane. This was like a typical plane that you might get at a flea market or at an antique store or something like that. Yeah, they but actually, unfortunately they chose to use a premium plane in you, their example. Did you
2: read the, um, uh, what is it, the latest issue? They actually had posted uh, one, one of the letters to the editor about that uh, okay, and yep. said that, yeah, you know, this is not something you want to do to a brand new plane, and they kind of posted uh, some, somewhat of a, a correction to it. Because um, yeah. I, I was thinking I th- the same thing. And then I read the first line in this uh, in the post here says that he got a lot of emails about this fine woodworking article and how to set up a new hand plane. Do you really have to do this? And this is right. kind of his his rebuttal to that.
4: Nice. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So if anybody's interested, it, if you haven't read the article at all or anything else, don't worry about it. Just go and see this video. And I think it will definitely change your attitude about um getting a new premium plane, because
0: yeah, just use it right out of the box. That was, um,
2: that was a Tommy Mac article, wasn't it? Uh huh. Yeah, okay. I think so. All right.
0: Yeah. I mean, the long and short of it is, just go to Chris's blog and read the comments because it's always really, really funny. Yeah. Oh, comments are amazing. I love those comments. <laughs> He's got the best haters. I love his comments.
2: <laughs> oh shoot! All right, what do we got here next? Uh, we got a couple extra links. Um, I wanted to share this video. It's very quick, but I actually have a little clip of it. I think it was Jermaine in uh, Facebook sent me a link to this and it's really, it's, it's a, a cell phone case commercial but it's one of those things where they went to someone who happens to be like this amazing artist who, who specializes in making music in landscapes using wood materials and then the whole point is just to sell this stupid case. Um, <laughs> nice. but, but yeah, the music <laughs> is really cool. Here's a very short clip. I don't know, maybe we'll get in trouble for playing this but uh, you know, who listens to this show anyway? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the way, that noise in the background is not static, that's um, water. So picture this jungle scene with a stream going by. It's very picturesque. Uh, and anyway, here it is. So anyway, this, this thing goes on for a few minutes and it's just going down. I remember that clip. Yeah, it's okay. going down this sloping, beautiful sloping hill, but this wooden ball is dropping on each little uh, stand and it has, I guess, I don't know what the details are of how it makes the little ping, but it sounds like a wooden, you know, like a, a piece of wood or something.
0: I think they were hollow, weren't they? Is,
2: it, is that what it is? Okay, so then it, it's, it's just an all wood construction thing. That's very, very cool. Granted it's a commercial, but it is something you want to watch. It's pretty cool. It's
0: actually quite funny because you're like, wow, this is so cool. And it comes to the end and there's like the little
2: phones like down at the bottom. You're like, seriously, yeah, all
0: this for a, wow. a stupid phone. I actually
2: want to buy that phone now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's just a, a it almost seems like it can't be real, but I think it, I think it is. It seems, seems legitimate to me, but
4: sweet. Well, hey, I have this buy? other link in here. Also. Oh, I have this other link in here. And speaking of making music with wood, this is uh, a uh, website called Audio Wood, and it's turntables by Joel. And if if you check it out, it actually is wooden turntables. And this is so cool. I mean, this looks like something like my wife had this idea where she was going to take some logs and we're going to cut it. We're going to use those as placemats. He's using them as turntables. So that is pretty cool. It looks like he has one called Barky, Chipmunk, the Chirp. I think he needs one called "The Chortle," but we'll work <laughs> on that one. I'm not sure what wood you would use for that.
2: Oh that's great.: But man. for those
4: turntable enthusiasts, if you still have some vinyl and you want something just really, super cool to play it on, uh, definitely check these out. I think they're pretty sharp. In fact, I'm looking for my men at Work" album from when I was in the middle <laughs> school, and I'm thinking about getting one just so I can play that.: yeah, That's
2: awesome.: Cool. Shannon, okay. what do you got? Um,
0: this is just a little announcement. Um, I believe it's coming out this Friday, tune in to mere mortals woodworking this Friday for a super special Christmas treat. It's going to be awesome. Don't ask me how I know about this.
2: Don't Just ask do me it. how many, I saw it Just myself it. and I'm not saying anything about it because it's awesome. <laughs>
4: it's
0: awesome. It is really
2: I didn't
4: good. get to see anything. I get left out of all the cool stuff. Yeah,
2: That's because you're taking
0: drugs with the doctor somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> They're prescribed. Back off.
0: <laughs>
2: prescribed kind. All right. So let's move on to the poll of the week. Matt, I don't know. in your uh, In your drunken state here, do you have a poll of the week you could recommend?
4: Oh yes, absolutely. Uh this is one that I think a lot of people will be very, very familiar with. Our poll of the week is Chuck Norris.
2: Hey yo, and that's because
4: he is now the face of Bank Zakodina in Poland. Uh <laughs> they have been using him as part of their major advertising. Sweet. Um I should find a link for this, but I apparently now wherever you go in Poland where the bank of Zakadina is located you get to see Chuck.
2: Ah, oh, Fantastic. Wow. Chuck is back. Great.
4: Yeah, Chuck is back. So Chuck Norris is our poll of the week.
2: Excellent. That's a good one.
4: Can you can know, never beat that. I
2: was going to say, it destroys all other poll of the week, I was polls say. of the week, right? Yeah.
4: yeah. From this point forward, there can never be another poll of the week because Chuck <laughs> yeah. would just destroy them.
2: All right. Well, we'll do one anyway. Uh, Tom Ivino, our good buddy over at tomsworkbench.com, came up with another poll, and this one's very similar to last week when we talked about uh, footwear. This is what do you use in addition to your footwear because a lot of us do use floor mats or something like that. So, uh, what do you use to cushion your feet? And thirty-five percent, which is I think it's not too unexpected, most of people, uh, the majority of them, are using floor mats, uh, rubber floor mats, or gym floor mats, or uh, you know those thick rubber restaurant-style mats that you could buy at the home store. Twenty-five um, percent use nothing at all. Fourteen percent never gave it any thought, which is kind of the same answer. Um, <laughs> yes. A combination of things, thirteen percent. Some of them, lucky folks, have a wood floor at 6%. 4% are using those uh, cushioned inserts in their shoes, and 2% are using uh, supportive or orthotic shoes. Special (laughs) shoes. Special (laughs) shoes, let's call them. Uh, What about
4: you, Matt? Do you use a mat? (laughs) Um, I I do, but see, I use the mats with one T. I'm a two-tier, so that means people can't walk all over me.
2: Nice, nice. I nice yes.
4: Wow. But I, you know, once in a while, I do have wood floors, like when I drop the wood on the floor.
2: but um bum Nice. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. All right, we've got a couple of voicemails here. We got one from Ben, and this, I think, is a great question. After this question, if Vic is still listening, feel free to call in after we're done with this one because it relates to a similar thing. He wants to know about Domino versus the JDS multi-router. Ooh.
1: Yeah, hi, guys. Hey, my name is Ben Brunick. I'm in Yankton, South Dakota, and I've got a question regarding a tool purchase. I know last week you guys ranted a little bit about being specific, so I will try to be. Um, I've got a, a, a Lee FMT jig that I bought, oh, I don't know, back in 2003, 2004 when they first came out. Um, I've got all the templates. You know, it's a great little machine. You can make tenons with it, which is, you know, I don't know any other Machine that makes the tenons and uh, and the mortises, and the fact that you can adjust both of them, um, the angles, you know, it's a great chair making machine. Um, but I think you probably know that it, bigger parts are difficult on the machine. Um, but because I've got that FMT jig, I never, I never picked up a domino when it first came out. Now I've got a um, job coming up that's, oh, I don't know about 250 storm windows on a historic building in the area. Um, some are pretty big, uh, 10 to 12 feet, so, you know, that FMT jig isn't going to work. Um, I'm going to be using and stick profile, um, cut on a shaper, and then I'm planning to use uh, loose tenon joinery um, for the, to join everything. Um, now, with the job, it's going to hopefully afford me to purchase either a a Domino XL or a multi router. So I guess my question is, you know, which would you choose? Now, keep in mind, in the future, um, you know, what I what I really enjoy doing um, is making studio furniture. Uh, but the reality is, you know, I've got to do what what people bring in the door uh, to keep the lights on and. Um, you know, I need to be, I need to be cost effective. I make a living doing this. So, you know, speed and versatility, um, are always important. Um, so I guess with that being said, you know, which one would you choose? Um, I appreciate the, the show guys, uh, really enjoy it and, uh, thanks a lot. Bye.
2: All right. Uh, do you guys mind if I tackle this one real quick? I'll go for, for it. it. Um I have used the multi router numerous times at uh David's shop and also the multi router. The multi router. <laughs> uh David's shop and also at William Ng's school. Absolutely amazing tool, but it's it really comes down to a question of portability and versatility. And I think mm. the multi router can kind of do more things, right? You could do like dovetails with it. You can get you can just think about it. You're you're actually moving a router uh, on two axes or you're, you're, the router is in stationary position and then you can move the table all around so you can do so many cool things with it. It's amazing uh, but it's big and bulky and it needs to stay where it is unless I mean, you can put it on wheels but that's about it. Um, the, the domino is a little bit of a different story. The domino is a small tool that you can kind of move around and take on site with you and uh, you take it to the wood instead of the wood to it so I think that's really going to be the question is which one is going to satisfy his needs. Now, it sounds to me like he is—he says he is concerned about uh, what's going to be the better investment, what will make him more money. Uh, Personally, from what he described, I think the domino is probably going to be the better bet for him. I think it's going to be more versatile for the kind of work he's doing if he's just looking at doing that type of joinery. I really think the domino is the moneymaker. If he's doing a lot of, let's say, studio furniture, think of David Mark's work, the guy who kind of introduced the world to the multi-router. In that case, well, now you're doing kind of designer joinery. You might be doing some really fancy stuff where you could use something that does more than just make a simple mortise. And that's where the multi-router, I think, would be the better bet. Um, So in my opinion, for what he described, I think the domino is probably going to be his best bet.
0: Don't you have kind of a take a wood to the tool and a tool to the wood type situation when you're dealing with big parts like those big, Windows, he was talking totally, about. Totally. Yeah. Seems to me, you know, while the multi router is really capable, you still have to take that big hunk of wood to the tool itself.
4: Yes, absolutely. Yep. That was my thinking also, ex- exactly, bringing it to the actual wood itself. And I was also thinking with some of the other things that just somehow seems like with the, the Domino, you just would be able to tweak, you know, joints just a little bit more. I mean, and, and cost-wise, it's like the Domino is probably half, maybe more than half of what the actual multi-router is. And the multi-router doesn't even necessarily come with all the really cool templates that you could go with. So,
2: yeah, yeah. you
4: know, that's an even bigger investment. And like you said, you can't take it exactly everywhere. So... You know, that definitely is a, a big thing for me. For sure.
2: All right, we actually do have Vic on the line. Vic has a question that's kind of uh, in the same vein. Um, you there, Vic? Vic? We, we rehearsed this just like we rehearsed, Vic. I wonder why you can't hear him. He's in the call.
0: Probably because his Probably boss because back yeah. I was gonna say he's still at work and <laughs> yeah. his boss just walked in the room. Yeah, so
2: yeah. yeah, he just pulled up his uh, his work document and. Uh... <laughs> yeah. All right, Vic. Well, I'll leave you there, and we'll keep moving on. And if, if you, uh... I don't know, why is he muted or something? What's going on here? What's going on here, Vic?
4: Oh, Vic, leave it to you to mess up the show,
2: man. Oh well. All right. Well, th- there goes your uh, your time in the sun, your moment to shine, <laughs> Vic. Sorry. Um, All right, so we did have another email or voicemail. I'm sorry. We had another one from, who is this? Chris, he's got a question about epoxy. Hey, Mark, Matt, and Shannon. This is
4: Chris Stahl from PA, also known as Stahlia on the forums and chat. Uh, My question today has to deal with epoxy. Um, I just ordered West System Epoxy, which I know Mark's a big proponent
3: of, and uh, I'm not exactly sure how to handle squeeze out. Now, with PBA glue, I would simply wait 30, 40, 45 minutes and then scrape away the coagulated glue. However, with epoxy, I'm not exactly sure what to do. Look forward to hear from you and keep up the great work. Thanks, guys.
2: All right. Epoxy, a little bit of a different story when that stuff dries, trying to uh, to scrape that off. So do you guys, either of you, use epoxy very much when you glue stuff up?
4: Uh, sure, Sometimes. Yeah, no, not not really that much. At least nothing with woodworking. I've got a few things I like to break around the house, and it works great. Mom always <laughs> said, "Don't play basketball in the house." <laughs>
2: right.
0: <laughs> the the only time I ever run into it is when I'm um a couple times when I've made some tools and I've needed to join brass to wood. Okay. I've never been quite right. sure how a PVA would handle that. I know I could probably look it up, but <laughs> it's one of those things where I had bought that uh, pump dual pump set oh, for West yeah. systems a long time ago, mm-hmm. and the things just awesome. You know, Love just it squirt, squirt, mix, and you're good to go. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, Not a huge user, but I have some, So certainly.
2: what do you do when you have a squeeze-out? What's your methodology?
0: I just plane it away. <laughs> I mean, I've actually found that um, it cleans up, I think, a little bit easier than a normal PVA glue because it doesn't it, – it's so um, dense, I guess, is the word I'm looking for when it dries. And it doesn't really – because the viscosity is so low when you use it, it kind of self-levels when it, when it dries out, so you don't get those like sharp, spiky points that you might get with uh, uh, a PVA glue, and I can just use a chisel or a plane to pull it up real easily.
2: Okay, uh, nice. for me, I usually get most of it with a rag. I try not to let it dry, so I'll either uh, usually start by scraping it and try to get it with a dry rag, but the problem is if it's in a visible spot, you will sort of drive some of it down in. it won't absorb quite the way like a water-based uh, material would, uh, like Shannon was saying, because it is so thick. Um, but you can use acetone and I've used acetone in the past as something that will clean it up fairly well. The problem is it's acetone. You know, like who, who wants to use that any more than you have to? I've heard of folks being able to use straight vinegar, just like a regular white vinegar, to clean it up. Now, I haven't tried that, but I think I need to because I'd much rather bust out some mm. vinegar than deal with acetone.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm probably. trying to think of when I've had that much squeeze out though with epoxy. That's the other thing.
2: Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, if you're really careful about it, you shouldn't have too much. I mean, it uh, depends on the application, you know, and if you're looking at, yeah. maybe you're, you push the uh, tenon into a mortise and you get squeeze out around your shoulders, that's going to be kind of something you're going to need to clean up. Well, you know,
0: I guess probably when I use it the most – sorry, Matt – is oh, you know when you're like stabilizing a knot or filling a hole or something in a board and it's never been an issue because yeah, it's, yeah. the board is still a board. It's not a part to anything yet. So it's really easy to clean up at that point. Yep. Heck, you can just run it through the thickness planer if you need to. Yeah, sand, so so I guess that's why I, it's never really come up because it's rare that I'm actually joining joinery together with it. Right. Yeah. Well, well, I was
4: going to say, I know once the, uh, the question came in, I, I decided I was going to do a little homework since I had never actually used the system, but it made me think about it. And I, I, we do have a link that we can probably put in the show notes, which takes you right to uh, a document they have on, on doing the cleanup. But I was kind of curious, uh, you know, with either of you, well, probably more with Mark, they were talking about like just heating it up with a, a heat gun to kind yeah. of soften it, make it a little more viscous. Uh-huh. Uh, have you ever had to do that? Or have you ever taken it to that point? I and haven't. Would you be interested in taking it to that point? No, I would not.
2: No, I would not. Um, I really do prefer to clean it all up before it dries. I don't want a big globule there. And and the only time I do have to deal with that is like Shannon said, you're filling a knot or a void or something, and then I just have a old Stanley block plane that is kind of just my epoxy scraper. <laughs> That's the only thing I really use it for. Um, and that way I can kind of uh, peel it away until I'm down to the wood surface, and then I could either sand or scrape or something like that. Um, okay, but gotcha. I would imagine, yeah, yeah, heat gun would probably be pretty effective if it's already dry and you don't have anything to, you know, easily scrape it out of there.
4: You know, another another great resource for finding out something like that, like especially if it was a really bad situation where maybe you got too much in there. I bet you, uh, Andy Miller over at Boatworks today. I mean, he works with that constantly. Oh, yeah. Of course, most of that's with you know fiberglass and everything. But I bet you he'd probably have some good information in case somebody really got themselves into a corner.
2: <laughs> sure. Uh, all right, so we have one more voicemail. I did not email this to you guys ahead of time because it <gasps> came in. It came in late. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Trickster. That's okay. Trickster. I didn't
0: listen to the other two you sent us.
2: It's all right though, because <laughs> this is feedback, so uh, it's not really a question.
3: This is a message for Mark and the rest of the uh, Wood Talk Online.
2: <laughs> you like that? It's it's sorry. for Mark and you guys and those other guys. <laughs> I Mark love and it. the band. I love it.
3: This is a message for Mark and the rest of the uh, Wood Talk Online guys. Uh, Interesting listening to the last episode talking about uh, the person who wanted to buy a table saw for $1,000. And he said he was uh, keeping an eye on Craigslist. Uh, We also heard you say, well, I can't keep up on the newest, latest things, and that's why I can't make a recommendation. But I, I do feel like you've overlooked the important part of his question, which is, He's looking for a table saw in the $1,000 range, and there might be something, not this year's model, not this year's bells and whistles, that might give him what he wants. And if it's a table saw, well, we all know that he needs a fence that locks straight, uh, a a flat surface on top, and enough power uh, in a motor to push it through. So I think it's worthwhile that we all remember that we don't have Mm -hmm. to have the latest giga or the latest functionality. What we do need are some basic, simple uh, capabilities to make our saw work and sometimes Craigslist is going to be our best friend, not necessarily the newest thing in the newest catalog. Thank you very much. Great show. Keep it up.
2: Definitely cannot disagree with that logic. Um, I think the the difference here is these people aren't calling and saying, I'm looking for a table saw. What do I need to, to think about when I buy this saw? What they're doing is saying, here's the model I'm considering. Is there another model in this price range that would be just as good? So if we right. if we reply with, Well, you got to have a table saw that does this, this, and this, and if you have those three things, it's a good saw. That's that's the generic answer that they don't want, and that right. I mean, that
0: would be annoying. Yeah, that
2: that's really the problem that we wind up (laughs) having. I
4: definitely. It sounds like an answer I would normally give, but I agree. We need to give a little bit more
0: detail if we can. I, I think yeah. he brings up kind of a voice of reason response and I, I certainly appreciate that. But, well, that's yes, totally,
2: yeah. that's the kind of thing that I intended to have with that article that I wrote about the, the questions only you can answer. That is the standard thing for any tool. It has to do three or four very specific things well and if it does those things, it's it's just fine. So you can go buy a used tool as long as it has those attributes, You'll you'll probably be happy with it. That's kind of yeah. going back to our point even when we're talking about new tools where someone says, oh, I'm looking between a, a, a Grizzly a Delta Unisol and a PM2000, which one do I get? And my reply is, whichever one is the color you like, you know, because they're all, <laughs> right. all going to do the job for you. So it, it totally applies, I think, his logic is absolutely sound. Uh, but our, our problem is that's not the question that's being asked of us. The question is, what about this model? What about that model?
4: right there and that's what i I was kind of going with the comment i was trying to make was that you know it just yeah i don't want to be so general because we can be really super general like yeah
0: it should be a a saw where the blade spins
2: (laughs) yeah does it turn on buy it
0: yeah well a a perfect example frankly is the question that ben asked about the domino versus the multi rock. yes there is a listener that listened and took the advice and applied it good job ben
2: Yeah, well, and a good thing is in a question like that, there aren't so many competing models with the Domino. There aren't so many competing models with the multi router, so um, it made (laughs) it a little bit easier. Use
0: glue or tape. (laughs) Yeah,
4: right. Glue. Yeah, because we we can get a really general question, which is, I'm in the market for a table saw. Yeah, and then that's it. (laughs) We get those in the we get
2: them in the forum every week. Which tool should I buy? You know, it's, it's it's the classic thing. Um, I'm
4: happy to help, but I need a little bit more.
2: Yeah. All right. So email. We've got, uh, let's see, we've got one here from Nathan and it was a long email. So I just summarized it and uh, I'll let Shannon take it because it definitely deals with hand planes.
0: Okay. Basically, Nathan is confused by all the different options in planes. He wants to know what the various planes do. He also wants to know if we have any recommendations for building planes. Well, first, the last part of that is, is really easy. Um, there's a book called, I believe, Making Wooden Handplanes" by okay. David Fink, F-I-N-C-K. Um, great book. It walks you through step-by-step-by-step by step by step how to make essentially a laminated or Cronovian style hand plane. That's probably, you know, that book has launched many businesses that make great hand planes. (laughs) Scott Meek was actually just on our show recently. He read that book and now makes hand planes for a living. So that's a great place to start. If you're looking for traditional hand planes where they're not laminated, Um, I think the book is called traditional plane making (laughs) by John Whalen. Maybe I'll have to double check that and I can put it in the show notes, but those are the two resources that I would look at for building planes. You guys know of any others? Uh, there's one that's called
4: Wooden Planes and How to Make Them. And that's by uh, David G. Perch and Robert S. Lee, uh All Grove Publishing. I believe I got this one at Lee Valley. I think they have it in their their book department. Um, um and that's a neat one. That's that's definitely not the uh, the laminated one. That's more the traditional uh, where you actually have to like you yeah, know cut any escapements and everything. Yep.
2: What I do is I go to um and I peruse and I click and I pull out my credit card and I regret it a few hours later.
4: And you say, <laughs> nice. I'm making a payment.
2: <laughs> I'm making the payment. So I kind of did make this plane myself.
4: Yeah. I, I well, and, like the, the and, Ron Hawk, uh kit. I mean, I made the Ron Hock smoother uh, a while a ago one. and that's, yeah, that's a really decent one and it's, it's fun to make and it works really well.
0: Good point. And you know, since you're talking Lee Nielsen, if you want to get into molding planes Then uh, Larry Williams has a phenomenal DVD available at Lee Nielsen on on making side escapement planes. And there's another instance where the – well, since Old Street Tools kind of went on hiatus, the premier molding plane maker, MS Bickford, he watched the video and now he makes planes for a living. So (laughs) you can't really ask for a better recommendation than that.
2: Yeah, there you go. Um, The other thing he asked about, Shannon, was the different planes. If you can just real quick run through the the Um, range. Sure, just
0: for – ease of, of of explaining this we'll use the Stanley numbering system I think most people go by that mm-hmm. essentially bench planes are numbers one through eight and that would include your smoothers your jack plane, your four plane and your joiner planes basically anything four and under would be considered a smoother plane they're just shorter versions of one another the one is this tiny little plane that, I think got used by instrument makers for a while. There's four and a halves and all that. Don't necessarily worry about that stuff yet. Um, If it's got a four on it, it's it's a smoother. Anything smaller than that, it's used for smoothing. The number fives are essentially jack planes. As the name denotes, it's the jack of all trades. It can act as a smoother. It can be as a shoot board plane. It can be a rough milling plane. It kind of does a little bit of everything pretty well, but isn't really master of any of those things. You get above that, the number six is traditionally called a four-plane. Um, that's a big, big tool used for roughing off a, a whole lot of wood. Then you go higher than the sevens and eights, and you're dealing with joiner planes or tri-planes, depending on what century you live in. Um, they are <laughs> big, long planes, and the longer the plane, the flatter it can make a board. Those are essentially your bench planes. That's for milling and getting ready for finish. Anything above that, I mean there's some block planes and stuff like that, but it's really all joinery planes and they have a very specific need. And a lot of times that specific need is in the name, a.k.a. rabbit plane mm-hmm. or uh, dado plane, et cetera, et cetera. So um, really all you need to really focus on is are those bench planes when it comes to um, the stuff that's made – nowadays yeah, you know yeah. um, the, the smoother planes and jack planes and all that stuff um, joiner planes are really really nice to have they're kind of in some instances they're luxury other instances they're absolutely required but it's there's not a lot to kind of know about them mm-hmm. they do kind of one job really really well so, cool if I, I could uh,
2: if I can make a quick recommendation watch uh, pick up Chris Schwarz's DVD course medium fine oh yeah and that really kind of simplifies things and looks at the, the whole scope of planes and classifies them in three categories. And that really is the same three categories that you would have in a power tool workshop uh, in, in terms of how you work wood from a coarse uh, area to medium and then the tools that you use to do the fine work. So um, yeah. that really will open your eyes and realize that, yeah, there's a bunch of different numbers, but they all can pretty much fit into these three categories and you don't need them all. You need one from each which is kind of like unless you're a collector or you want to just kind of fill out the collection and really refine it, you only need one of each to do each one of those jobs.
4: Yeah. It, it, right. you know two more resources just for like if you really really want to geek out on hand planes uh, i recommend the hand plane book by garrett hack that was always oh, like yeah. my my crack I, I love that one and then if you also head over to um uh let's see it's uh, superior tool or supertool.com, the superior works uh patrick's blood and gore oh, yeah. that will really is that that walks you through what the plane was about why they made it with all the things they did wrong with it all that stuff that, again <laughs> that's like super nerding out Probably way more information. You know, probably, you know what, Nathan, don't even listen to this part because this will confuse the living daylights out of you to be honest, because you'll see those and be like, I got to get one of each.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah, right. Uh, All right. So the next email we got is from Eric and a fairly long one. We're short on time here. So he's basically having trouble milling his lumber. After he's done, he has very unpredictable results where sometimes he'll throw it through the planer and it's nice and straight. Other times he throws it through the planer and he winds up having some sort of curvature to it. Now, uh, he described the whole thing in detail. The problem is he goes to forums and asks and gets the same answer all the time where people say, wood moves, deal with it. And he, <laughs> say, he says, well, I don't want to deal with it, damn it. I got this joiner and planer and I, wanted, uh, I want dead flat material. So here's the thing. The one thing he doesn't really tell us is how far out is it? How picky right. is, is he being? Because, you know, and I've talked to many woodworkers who get all bent out of shape out of uh, maybe a 64th dip on a 24-inch piece which is nothing, you know what I mean? Like that's not really something that's flat. Yeah, (laughs) that is exactly. That is perfectly flat by our standards. Um, So that's the one thing is I don't want to go into too much detail on the answer because if we're talking about very small amounts, then it's negligible. It's not something that's going to affect your work. Uh, If you're talking about larger amounts, then I think he really needs to go and do a little bit of investigation here because there's only two things that can be happening. It's either, well three technically, it's either induced by the tool itself it's induced by the user using the tool, or it's in the wood and right. he he's saying that his uh, lumber dealer is reputable, and that there's usually no problems there, so I would definitely maybe try a different wood dealer i mean that that's a there's an outside chance it could be the wood that's just consistently mm. dry he, he's
0: also saying that he doesn't really have any other option but buying s 2s s lumber okay so I, mm. I I don't know i mean I'm spoiled with a lot of great lumber dealers around me, but the Reputable lumber dealers sell it in the rough, yeah, they don't yeah. sell it as a surfaced product, yeah. So, 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 there
2: that's a little bit of a red flag. But, um, the first thing I would do is definitely look at your tools, you know, do some experiments, take two pieces from the same board, uh, try to treat them differently, and then w- look at what step something winds up changing that that turns it into a, a warped board instead of a straight board. Um, yeah. it, there's there sounds like there might be a couple things going on, so it's a little bit hard. Uh, to figure it out, but he's going to have to do some investigative work and I think really determine is it the tools? Is it you? Because sometimes, well, if it's the planer, there's not a whole lot he can do, but if the planer's not set up right, um, maybe the pressure feed rollers aren't aren't, uh, calibrated properly, he could have some issues there. So um, very difficult for us to really troubleshoot for him, but I think he's got some homework to do.
0: Yeah, I think there's more to jointing a board than just running it across the joiner. Mm-hmm. There is a technique oh, yeah. to using a joiner, and I think a lot of people don't quite realize that. And if he's having inconsistency coming off that joiner, that's probably where it comes from. Well, and he, he says needs to figure the out. thing
2: is, he says it comes off the joiner flat, but then he puts it through the planer and gets a problem, which is a little bit crazy. E- and he, yeah, And yeah. just to also reiterate, he is doing everything properly in terms of. Trying to mill the wood evenly on both sides. He's giving it acclimation time. It is kiln dried.
0: Yeah, this is definitely a guy that's been to the forums several times.
2: <laughs> yeah. And he's
0: tried everything. I mean, every canned yeah. answer you can think of. I mean, here's another great email of someone that gives lots of details yep. because. He, it, I, I feel his pain in this because you could just tell he's like gone back to the trough three and four times for advice, done it, and still is having problems. Well,
2: one so thing I'd love to know, Eric, if you can get back to us, just let us know how much the, the wood is out over what span, like what distance, because you, it right. really right. truly may be. Not that big of a deal. It just depends on, on what we're looking yeah, are at. Are
0: you a machinist?
2: Yeah. <laughs> that was my An engineer, question. you know? <laughs> Did you use to- Do you
0: break out the
4: calipers? Are we going to get like this in like 130, thousandths?
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you just never know.
4: All right. Uh, next email, Matt. Okay, with more and more woodworking magazine companies going to apps and or DVD releases, do you guys prefer the DVDs or actual magazines? Do you think they will stop making the physical magazines anytime soon? And that was from our friend Tom Gentry. And my answer to this is I don't think they're going to stop making the physical magazine anytime soon. I do enjoy the apps. In fact, I know we raved about the fine woodworking one yeah. not so long ago. Um, I have my PDF downloads from uh popular woodworking uh Um, I've even gone so far as to get the Zinio app so that I could look at wood and all these other ones. I enjoy those, but I will admit there are times that I really love having paper in my hand and being able to dog ear something, flip it back and forth, throw it at the cat if I need to, (laughs) all those good things. And I know I'm not alone. I think because so we're so used to being online and we're so you know online ourselves with facebook and everything else i think a lot of times we automatically assume that because we like this and because we get geeked out by this that everybody else does but i i think there are enough people out there that there would be a huge uproar if they actually stopped making all of the magazines. Yeah. Uh,
2: I think in know.
0: this particular demographic, we are a minority. Oh yeah. Yes. Very much so. <laughs> I so, would actually say if,
2: if they're going to stop doing something, they're going to stop the whole thing. I don't think you're ever going to see a situation right. where like, fine, woodworking just goes digital.
4: Right. You know, yeah, I think if they, if
2: they stop print, they're folding. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Exactly. Yeah.
4: yeah, so I, I definitely, I, I see that the physical magazine is going to be around forever. Uh, the DVDs are really neat because you can get whole entire years. It's just like, you know, waiting for an entire season to end of your favorite TV show so you can get it on DVD and sit down and enjoy it in one single night. Um, hmm. But at the same time, there's just something about the physical magazines themselves. Yeah, I don't, so uh, I, I go back and forth. I
2: don't like the DVDs so much myself, but I do dig the digital editions. Like mm-hmm. I think fine woodworkings uh, execution of the app is the way every magazine needs to do it. It's, it's actually really, really well done. I see the, the the real magazine come in and I'm just like, eh, you know, just, <laughs> what do I need that for anymore? I mean, this stuff really does uh, collect dust and, and I'm personally very comfortable going back in and finding old articles and stuff and I just love the way it looks. Everything just pops on an iPad screen. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I absolutely adore it and I hope more companies do dedicated apps like that. I think it's fantastic.
0: Yep,
4: absolutely.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm just still waiting for my knitting magazines to come digital. Knitting and knitting. (laughs) All right, so we got the next question from Greg. He says, I'm making a jewelry box for Christmas and it's all solid cherry. I want to use semi-gloss armor seal, but after listening to Wood Talk episode 72, you mentioned that an oil finish can cause blotchiness. Should I seal with shellac first or did I hear wrong? A very quick answer here for you, Greg. If you are bothered by that sort of thing, yeah, you can seal with shellac first and that will help to prevent the blotchiness that you tend to see. Now, I I really enjoyed listening to uh, Glenn Huey's talk at Woodworking in America uh, where he basically just said, cherry blotches, get over it. (laughs) <laughs> there go. Exactly. Um, I think
0: it was it was Chuck Bender that first said one man's blotch is another man's figure.
2: Yeah. So. so I mean that's the thing. Over time, as the cherry darkens, I think the effect of that blotchiness that you might see initially does die down over the years, but it is it is technically still there. You know, so some people may be bothered by it. Maybe it takes too long to go away. Um, and for those folks, yeah, you can give yourself a nice little coat of de waxed shellac and follow up with your varnish. And that will actually give it a nice, clean, consistent look. So it's really yeah. up to when you. all
0: else fails, test board. Word. You know, do you like it? Does it blotch? Uh, okay, then try sealing it with shellac. You know, get a a small cut off from the board that you're using and finish it and see what you think. Yeah,
2: sounds good. Sweet
0: sound advice. Yeah, you guys
2: got the iTunes up and rolling because we've got two reviews to read.
0: Yeah, Shannon, you take the first one. Actually, I don't have iTunes up and rolling yet.
2: You Sorry. are fired.
0: I know. There's a reason
4: why we only had him from up to a certain point. <laughs> he probably wasn't in episode 72. Probably not. That's when things that back in 96. That's when things when used to go smoothly. Yeah. All
2: right. What, what's your? <laughs> All
4: right. Well, let me we grab this one. I'll do disgruntled YouTuber it says it's always in the playlist. Why wouldn't it be?
2: <laughs> right.
4: <laughs> of course.
2: Um, is that? Are you going to read the full thing?
4: Oh no, because I don't have iTunes open Matt, either.
2: I thought you I
0: was going to say <laughs> you, he did the same thing I did. You See, are fired. For those,
2: for those that are not
0: looking at our show notes, we used to have them printed in the show notes, but <laughs> but iTunes I, won't let you copy them. So Mark decided to just like put a little note here. This person read this yeah, and. Yeah.
2: Obviously, both Matt and I
0: forgot. I got had to a, go to iTunes. I got
2: sick of typing them out, and I, do, you know, there's typos and everything, and it's just a mess. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to put their names by them and put the subject that the person used for for the review. So uh, there you, know, you go. I true. was reading that in the show notes and going, these people are really concise this time. Look at <laughs> the same thing too. I'm like, they
0: really took our advice to heart. Look at
2: that. Uh, and you know what? I'm sure everyone listening at home actually appreciates a very short reading of the reviews, because uh, who the heck wants to hear us tooting our own horns?
4: Hey, I mean, that, that one right there, you know, always on the playlist. That that works for me. I go. mean, that should, be, that should be a motto. Yeah,
2: well, thank you, uh, Nathan in CBus, and thank you, disgruntled YouTuber, for your five-star reviews. <laughs> we appreciate that. And if you want to leave us a five-star review or any other uh, variation of a review, preferably five stars, go to iTunes, open it up, and look us up, Wood we'll Talk. You'll find us, and uh, just leave us a review. We always appreciate it, and we'll read it on the show. Maybe
4: in full, maybe next time.
2: Perhaps <laughs> it depends. It depends on how these two guys, you know, if they feel like doing their jobs or not. I don't know. I have it up
0: now, by the way.
2: <laughs> Do you, you want to read it? You, why don't you read them real quick?
0: Nathan and bus says Want to hear three guys talk about wood on the internet? Who doesn't? The show is fun, informative, and just a heck of a lot better than listening to any other drivel in today's music. I'm from Ohio, and even though one of them is from that state up north, Matt, <laughs> the knowledge and love of the craft is – Oh, there's a more button here. Damn it. Apparent <laughs> and infectious from each of them. This is a guaranteed weekly listen for me.
2: Very good. Cool. There we go. Oh.
4: All right. So here we go. Disgruntled YouTuber. I brought yours up because I definitely want to see this. I know it's going to be amazing <coughs> after that last one. Uh, let's see. It says uh, always in the playlist. It's nice to hear a group of people talk about how much they enjoy the craft. Every time I listen, I learn something. Even it is, even if it is time stamped to see, oh, to see some movies in a woodworking video. These guys are a class act. <laughs> and I admire the dedication to what each of them do for the show and their respective websites.
0: Websites keep up the good work. I, I was just love that he bed. mentions he mentions looking for a timestamp to see boobs, and then says we're a class act.
2: Yeah, those two just don't go with each other. I don't. Uh,
0: good times. But we do good appreciate times. it.
2: All right. Well, hey, just a quick reminder: today's show is supported by Bad Axe Toolworks. You can find them at badaxetoolworks.com and Benchcrafted benchcrafted.com. Remember, they only make three vices, and they're awesome. <laughs> um, all right, Matt, if you want to uh, give him the contact info, we'll get out of here.
4: All right. You can leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is WoodTalkOnline. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180 unless you're Vic and you can't seem to get through. (laughs) Email us at WoodTalkOnline at gmail.com. Leave us a comment on our WoodTalk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you'll find them at WoodTalkShow.com.
2: Awesome. And hey, don't forget to join us next week. We're going to have our last show of the year. We're going to talk about what uh, things that we plan to do in the year ahead and also. So again, tomorrow, uh, thewoodwhisperer.com slash live, we've got our little holiday party. So come and join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Mark and I Please. will talk about a
0: collaborative project
2: we won't build this coming year. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> we will we will plan <laughs> on not building it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, chat room, for hanging out with us. And we'll catch you next week. See you. I didn't need Vane.
1: about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio programs so good, it's like you're
2: there. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.